It's the fifth episode of People Seek Meeple. The board game problem solvers. And that's exciting, because on our first episode, we said that people should skip to the fifth episode, because this was when we got good. So this is (laughs) the episode in which we become good. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) I know, and there's no pressure. Speaking of exciting, I'm so excited. And we're like, we're kind of skipping ahead of the things that we normally do, because I'm really excited about this. Right now we're in Sligo, in the Sligo town, in Sligo County, in Ireland. Yeah. And we are currently in the Sligo Southern Hotel with the Sligo Gaming Society. And they have got a great big collection of games here, and we have joined them for a full... 14 hours of board games and so normally uh we record and we do like big blobs and stuff this time we're going to do like little segments over the course of the day and the reason for that is because we're playing twilight imperium (laughs) (laughs) uh i I'm excited, but not nearly as excited as Will is excited. It's it's true. I'm, yeah. I'm very, very, very excited about this. So whenever we can kind of like snatch in a break over the course of this like ridiculously long game, that's probably going to take like 12 hours. Ah! Uh, we, we're going to give you little updates on how the game is going and of course answer some questions. Maybe uh, talk to some folks around here. I know uh, Wayne, who runs the event and manages all this kind of stuff, is willing to chime in and talk about the group a little bit so that's exciting very nice very nice um we jumped way ahead i'm shaleen oh and i'm will (laughs) Uh, and what do we do here we answer your board game related questions primarily recommendations for what you should play next that's true if you have a question for us you can send it to peopleseekmeeple at gmail.com or r slash peopleseekmeeple or you can go onto facebook that's right Facebook. We got a Facebook. And look up People Seek Meeple, and it will be the only thing that shows up. And you can like us or follow us on the Facebook, which is exciting. And as a little bonus on the Facebook, and something that we forgot to mention on the previous episode, we went to a little place in Scotland called Sky, which is what the Isle of Sky board game is based on. So I took as many photos as I could of things that you would find from the game Isle of Sky, and I've put them up on the Facebook page so you can go and look at Isle of Sky on Isle of Sky and Sky, and it's all very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We are staying now on a sheep farm, that's which true. is reminding me a little bit of Carcassonne. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of fun. And also Alice Guy, because that has yeah. sheep too. Yeah, and our hosts are lovely, and we've gotten to work with the sheep a little bit, and they're ridiculous and silly gooses. <laughs> yeah, and they sheep run away. Are gooses. Yeah, they're not friendly. I think they're just scared. Yeah. I think if they got really used to you. Okay, so here's my sheep story. I was left in a sheep field for about 40 minutes by myself the other day, and I finished the task I was given, and then I just stood looking at the sheep, and I just, I bleated at them. I went, bah! and they all turned and looked, and then they just walked towards me as a flock, all of them at once. Oh, dear. And, uh, and then they stopped about four feet or five feet in front of me, and we all just kind of looked at each other for a while <laughs> because no one really knew what to do next. And then I, like, moved my hand a tiny little bit, and they all ran away. Oh, great. So sheep are silly geese. She was a yeah. We also saw a swan behind <laughs> bars. Uh, but that's like a, a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one ever on 
<sighs> All right. Woo-wee. <laughs> we done just play a big old game. Seven hours later, and we have found ourselves in the upstairs portion of the Sligo Gaming Society board game meetup thing that happens. It's a bit louder now, so hopefully you can still hear it. It is a bit louder. We're, we've come up pretty close to the uh, to the microphone. We've got got a whole bunch of games going on in here. I can see some folks playing Robo Rally. There's a Star Wars RPG happening in the corner. There was some 5th edition D&D happening behind us and some paperback over there, which we're actually going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, so that's a fun surprise. Very exciting. It is. Uh, we just came back from a game of Twilight Imperium, and it was about as much fun as I hoped it would be, and then a little bit more, I think. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I was very proud of myself. I ended with nine. Yes. And the goal is ten. Second place. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. I was a distant, like, fourth or fifth or something. I definitely wasn't last. Yeah. <laughs> because the guy that was last... <laughs> Oh. Was a space pirate. He was a space pirate, and people seemed to hold grudges about that. Okay, wait, we're talking about this later, though. Oh, oh yeah, that's first, true. First, we're going to answer a question. Yeah, we got to get into the questions, because it's why you listen, maybe? I don't know. Uh, so, question number one from Tsar of Sarcasm 6, uh, who is a Reddit user. I've got a weird request. I've got a 50-game collection and have gotten picky, so my friends are nervous to get me any games now. This is a mixed bag, since I don't get stuff like Flux, great, but also get nothing from Gen Con attending friends. Shilling disagrees with me about Flux. For my just-past birthday, I got an excessively fancy deck box, but I'm not a magic or collectible card game player. I'm looking for a game that would perfectly fit into this deck box, so that the gift is noticeably appreciated. The ideal game would be played predominantly with standard size cards, but no more than 200. There's also a small compartment for dice and chits. I'm not worried about weight or mechanics, I'll enjoy almost anything, from Love Letter to Alchemists, but I want the full game to fit elegantly into the deck box. Thank you in advance! You're welcome in advance. Yeah, hey, I was gonna say that. Oh, weird. Nice! <laughs> right. So our first recommendation for you, just gonna jump in here. Yeah, do it. Uh, I recommend The Lord of the Rings Living Card Game. I think it has another subtitle. Does it? I don't think it does. No, I think it's, it's just, just that one. Lord of the Rings, the the card game. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So uh, it has 128 cards. And you can and get more. You can get expansions. It's true. The end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's everything you need to know. That's everything this guy needs to know. I mean, that's true. Yeah. I mean, we could talk a little more about it. Um, you fight monsters, and it is cooperative. You fight monsters, yeah. You explore, you, you, I guess. Uh, you can play sort of different campaigns. There's a, like an easy, medium, and hard campaign sort of thing that you can do. I, I, I say campaign, but they're not long. It's like you play for like two hours, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max. Yeah, we played through the whole thing and then traded it away because it's a living card game. and We're not rich. Yeah, we're not. But also, yeah, the, like that's the thing is... It's it's a living card game, so you can probably bump it up to two hundred cards if, oh, you, very if, easy. if if you wanted to. Yeah. yeah. It'll fit elegantly. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, it was a fun little game. I, I had a good time with it and it was really good. Like you mostly just used cards. There was there was like a one there was one big like rolly thing that you used for to keep track of 
the threat level or something, but I, I don't, I don't, think, you, yeah, I don't yeah. think you need that. You don't need that. Yeah. You could use dice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is easily. Uh, yeah, and it has all the classic monsters from The Lord of the Rings. So mm. if you like The Lord of the Rings and have a box that fits 200 guards, <laughs> check out this game. Hooray! Now, you seem to be quite an avid collector, and you know your stuff, so there's probably quite a high chance you already have this game, but I would feel bad to not recommend uh, Race for the Galaxy, which is uh, 140 cards? Yes. Plus 14 more cards. I think. You can get expansions. Oh yeah, and you can also get expansions. For this as well. Yeah, That will yeah. bring you up closer to 200. Race for the Galaxy is a classic tableau builder style game. You're, you're either you're focusing on different things and it can be militaristic or it can be commercial or any of that kind of stuff. Industrial. Industrial. You kind of have to well. be a little bit lucky to really focus down on one thing so it does pay to kind of focus on a couple of things or at least have a couple different ways to get resources. Hmm. Yeah, like I'm, I'm sure you know enough about it but just for the listeners that don't know about Race for the Galaxy two things I really like about it. The first thing is that you choose some one of five things that will happen in that round. And you choose it, and then everyone else gets to do it. But you, the person that chose it, also gets to do an extra special thing in regards to that action. Uh, I really like that. Uh, the second thing I like is that all of your cards are good for something, and they're also used as currency. So you might need to spend three cards to build something, and that might be half your hand. And it can be really tough making those decisions and being like, oh, I want to hold on to this because it's a really good card, but also it's more useful if I buy this less good thing with this really good card. And Oh, it's great. Yeah, I, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, race for the galaxy. Question two. My girlfriend really likes playing word games on her phone. She also likes playing lighter deck-building games, Clank, uh, Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle. So I was thinking of picking up either paperback or hardback, but admittedly, I don't know much about either of these games. Other than that, they combine deck-building and wordplay. Is one of them better than the other? Which one should I go with? Any other recommendations? Yes. Fantastic. Oh, we get to have a discussion. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. My vote is paperback. Your vote is paperback? Yeah. Well, my vote is hardback. Great. We're going to we're going to debate this. Okay. Great. So, things that are really good about hardback. Thing number 1. It has a Wait, should we talk about these games first? <laughs> should we say what they are? Uh, they're games where you have cards in your hand that you have to make words out of. Yeah, it's a deck. Yeah, make words out of the letters. It's a it's a deck building word making game. Both of these games have been made by the same person. Hardback was released after Paperback was re- was released before, and now they both exist, and that's great because a word building deck builder is a very exciting thing. The way that Paperback works is a lot like Dominion, and that you will buy kind of useless cards that will give you points at the end of the game and everything else you can buy will give you money that you can use to buy better cards that will give you more money that will use that you can and so on and so on and so on until you can finally buy all of the points cards and that's great but it does give the end game a little bit of an unsatisfactory feel i didn't really feel any tension in the gameplay in fact the times that we played it we mostly just played on and on and on and on and on to see what kind of like amazing words we could make which was also pretty fun uh hardback comes 
to you with a definite end. You're playing to 60 points, and the cards you play will either get you money to buy more cards, or they will get you points to head closer to 60 points and win the game. The way that you get get cards on hardback is from a tableau, kind of like on Star Realms or Tyrants of the Underdark, which I'm actually not huge on, but that's okay. And you will buy cards from the middle that get added to your discard pile. A lot of the letters have genres on them, which are basically exactly the same as factions in Star Realms. Like, Star Realms and uh, Paperback kind of had a baby and came up with this game. So you can really uh, focus your deck on trying to make a specific kind of thing, and yeah, it's nice. I like it. What's your view? Well, Paperback is a little bit more challenging. Like... I found when we played hardback, you could kind of play the same words over and over and over again and just get points every time because you were getting those bonuses every time. So you could get a lot of points every time by playing, you know, the same word because there's no rule against that. Uh, Like, the letters didn't change up as often. Um, Whereas in paperback, you had to get a bit more creative and and you could make longer and longer words. And that was the way that you got... what did you have to get? You got those bonus points that kind of gave you the vowels, the bonus vowels. Yeah, there was some, no, but the goal of the game was to make an eight-letter word or something like an that. An eight-letter word, or if or, uh, or if the piles run out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's not as concrete a goal, but having to make an eight-letter word, like you feel a lot more clever making a good eight-letter word than just playing fancy over and over and over again, you know? Um, so that would be my argument for that one, is it's like slightly more clever, and the hardback relies a bit more on the deck-building aspect, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hardback is gamier. It's, yeah, it's not, as, it's not quite as wordy. Is wordier. Although hardback will not take as long, and if you want just like a quick, fun, easy one, definitely go with hardback. And the setup is so much easier. Yeah, paperback is cumbersome oh in terms of setup. I got frustrated because Will just kept playing the same word. And he had all the bonuses lined up, so he just got like 12 points every time he played that word. It's true. I did go pretty gamey. So yeah, um, yeah. So it depends which way you prefer to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was also a recommendation. Yeah. In, the works. in addition, uh, Letter Tycoon plays on these ideas as well. It's about building words. Um, But in this one, you're buying patents for different letters, which is cool because then once you have the patent, anytime another player uses any letter you have the patent for, you get stuff. It's great. You get stocks and you get money, and the money is what you use to buy patents, and stocks are just points for the end of the game. The game ends when one player has the correct number of patents in a two-player game. I can't remember exactly how many it is, but it'll tell you. So once somebody gets 10 patents or whatever it is, that's the end of the game, and then you add up the the value of your patents and the stock that you have. But in that one, you get to make words with a common pool of letters as well. Three letters will get flipped over, and anybody can use those letters in addition to the cards they have in their hand. And if you use the letters that you have patents for, you get extra stuff. So that one's a lot of fun, too. Nice. That is Litter Tycoon. And hardback and paperback. Great. It's time for what we play today. 
If you didn't catch that, it's time for... What we played today. Which is the segment where we talk about... The games that we played today. We played three games. Well, so far we've played three games. We're probably going to play more. Yeah, we'll play some more. But we'll talk about the ones that we've played already. Okay, the first game we played was Rhino Hero. I love Rhino Hero so much. I got it like two years ago, and I think it was my favorite game of the year. Uh, so good and fun and nice and great and it's so good with kids and it's so great with adults and it's so good at parties and so good in groups where people tend to not involve themselves in either heavier games or even if you're just at a social situation and there's one person who's sitting at the table and isn't really engaging with anyone it's so good to just get people involved and I love it it's like Jenga and Uno had a weird child and turned out to be Rhino Hero and it's great yeah it's about uh, dexterity balance yep dexterity game yeah yeah it was good fun yeah uh, if you've got younger ones or if you're just looking for like a nice little fun light family game I would highly recommend getting a hold of Rhino Hero and I think that's the first time I've ever told someone to buy a game Look at us. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, what's the second thing? The second game uh, <laughs> I played while Will was setting up for Twilight Imperium was called Dolores. And it's sort of a pirate treasure gathering game where there's six different types of treasure represented by different colors. And you collect treasure throughout the game. But the kicker is you only score your piles that are t- uh, totaled up to be the most and the least. So it's a bit of a hand management game, except that your hand is faced up on the table and everybody else can see what you're doing. And there's a rock, paper, scissors element. There's four cards available in each interaction. And two will be on my side of the table and two will be on Will's side of the table. And we'll do sort of a rock, paper, scissors, except we say Dolores. And That's great. It's great. And uh, you can either do friendship, which means you'll both just take the cards on your side of the table. You can do war, uh, which will do different things when it's in combination with friendship and the other one. And you can do a thumbs up, which means that you're going to take the card that you want, and depending what the other player has done, they'll either take the rest or they'll take just the ones on their side. Or if you both do a thumbs up, all the cards go away and you have to ditch a card from your hand, from your uh, tableau. So, yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. I wasn't expecting it to be very intense, but it did require some thinking and some negotiation because before you do your rock, paper, scissors, you can talk to the other player and say, hey, I'd really like if we both did friendship because I just want the cards on my side of the table. And uh, the other player can agree or disagree as they will. And may or may not honor the agreement once you actually physically do the rock, paper, scissors. Nice. Yeah. You were playing the game with a six-year-old girl. I was. Uh, yeah. Made the chaos element a bit a bit stronger. Yeah. It's There can be a little bit of a panic when you do the rock, paper, scissors, and your hand might not do the thing that you were hoping it would do. <laughs> uh, so there was one time where we went, yeah, we're both going to do friendship. Yeah. And she did war and took all the cards from me. But she, but she was really upset about it. Like she was really hoping to do friendship. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, yeah, that uh, was a good time. What was the th- What was the other game we played? We played one one other game. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I remember what it was. It took up our entire day. <laughs> I remember what it was. It took seven hours. Yeah, six and a half. Actually, we made really oh, good yeah. time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, In case you haven't been listening to the entire rest of the episode, it was Twilight Imperium. It was Twilight Imperium 4th edition, and I was very excited to play it, and Shalim was middlingly excited to play it. I didn't know much about it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, And it turned out to be so much fun. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. 
Uh, it's not fully dependent on war, which I like. Yeah, Shaleen's not big on death and destruction in games. And Except for I did actually death and destroy a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you both death and destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this game is, like, everything that happens in this game feels like it's there for a reason. Yeah. And it's so nice. And the interactions that you have with players genuinely feel, like, diplomatic. And they feel important. And you can tell someone to trust you, or someone will... Just... There's... There's so much lies and everything shifts all the time. We got into a weird situation where there was three people sitting on one side of this really big table and three people on the other, and we sort of ended up dividing down the middle where the players on one side were on a team and the players on the other side yeah, it, were it kind of, of on a team, it and kind it was of a bit weird. It kind of accidentally turned into a 3v3. Yeah. Until one of your team members decided to attack you. Yeah, that was mean. <laughs> um, but that was one of the times where I actually rolled the dice really well and destroyed most of his fleet. Most and of his fleet. It was what he he said he spent three turns building it up, and he felt really bad about it. But I felt really good because I finally rolled the dice well, <laughs> and I didn't have to lose my planet. Oh jeez, yeah, there was some pretty hilarious moments in this game. Uh, someone jumped from. Um, from uh, Mercator Rex onto, like, like, just directly onto one of the players' undefended home systems. And that just completely hamstrung him for the entire game. But he was still having such a good time with it. What did I play as? I played as the, like, the peaceful space turtles. I had this, like, ideal dream of, like, being peaceful with everyone and having these, like, amazing diplomatic trade agreements and all these other fantastic things. But it didn't really turn out that way. But I think that's because I didn't have enough of an understanding of the game either to kind of have any say in that. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like you forgot about your promissory notes until somebody was like, hey, you want to do this? And then everybody was like, oh yeah, do I have any promissory notes that'll be beneficial? Yeah, I wanted to focus on the promissory notes a lot more, but didn't didn't really get the chance to. I got a couple of victory points out of it. That was nice. And I got a ceasefire. That was good. But I wanted more ceasefires. Oh well. Yeah. yeah it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's... It's, it's, it's a game that I definitely want to try and get my hands on at some stage. Yeah, so if you're in New Zealand and you like really long games, get ready yeah. to play this with us. Please. Or, if you have Twilight Imperium, just like hit us up. <laughs> yeah. You have Twilight Imperium and a free day. A whole day yeah. free. It's not as long as people say it is. I think. No. Like we were prepared to spend 12 hours playing it, but. It's also not as complicated. No. Once, Once you're into the flow. Yeah. It was really, really nice. The, the amount of actions that you can take were all laid out really clearly in front of you. The only hard decisions is everything to do with the other players. And I think that's what I like about it. You know, you're, you're playing a game, but ultimately you're playing each other. That's a big ol' thumbs up for Twilight Imperium. Yeah. You guys, you guys, you guys. We found him. We found him. It's Wayne! Yeah. <laughs> Wayne is... is turning, off his phone, turning off his phone. Turning off his phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're ready. Okay. Uh, so, Wayne runs... This, this Lego Gaming Society? I'm not sure if I would say... I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Great. Uh, how did the group come about? 
We're all originally friends from uh, college, and so we were like we would have met up and we would have made the Sligo kind of a gaming society in college. And then basically, when when things finished, a bunch of us obviously college was finished, but people were going their own ways. But we kept on staying in touch. We decided to have these kind of regular kind of meetups, and um, at some point, I got a I ordered a game from a company and we knew the owners of the company and jokingly on the package they sent us back they'd written uh, Wayne O'Connor but they'd actually written Flat Earth Game Society and we were all like ah oh, at the time and we said okay we'll, we'll, that, we'll call ourselves the Flat Earth Game Society so you, you decided to call yourself but you're not called the Flat Earth Game Society not anymore. anymore no because uh, over time we've discovered that this uh, this <laughs> particularly when I set up the Facebook group it I was getting lots of requests from obviously people who had no interest in gaming but when you went and checked their profiles you know you would find out that they were big into conspiracy theorists and the flat earth theory and I was like oh my god these people actually exist so um, they're about they're about, a, they're about a year or so ago um, we would have changed the name makes perfect sense yeah, yeah. nice simple didn't name. to me for years but apparently you know, I had to be nudged by conspiracy theorists and visitors to go you should make yourself easier to find and how often do you guys meet used to do occasional games stay like we did right now maybe we do maybe one a year you know something and then for a period actually we did have a convention going on here which was an excuse to bring everyone back to Sligo basically some of these guys had gone to Dublin and everyone was around so we had a convention that we called Confest that ran for six years that's um, so cool yeah and it was I mean we had a great turnout and we had a great great time doing it and it was a great excuse really it was really to be absolutely honest the biggest part of it was an excuse for all of the college kind of circle of friends to have a weekend to come back to Sligo and just game and, and a little bit of drinking, you know, and do all do all that together. But um, in the end, you know, life kicks in as well. So people had work commitments and families and stuff. So getting a whole weekend off became a bit tougher. And after six years, we decided let's end on a high. We're getting really good reaction every year. Let's not have it peter out. So we we finished after after six years. Great. So if somebody wants to come out and play, they're just welcome to come along. And we meet here in this in the Southern Hotel. Every fortnight, on a Sunday, every fortnight from 5 until 10, and it's a 5 euro for, for an evening's worth of gaming. We've got a library of stuff, friendly, I think we've got a really friendly uh, group of players who, like, you know, if we see someone coming in, it's pounce on them and go, here, here's a game you can play, you know? Not I will attest them, to that. Yeah, it was very yeah. friendly. It yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. Even, even playing Twilight Imperium. Yeah, oh yeah, I he felt, dived in at the deep end. No light, fluffy games. Let's go for Twilight Imperium. Let's go epic for the first day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so great. Yeah. Who won? Who won you? Was it one of you guys? No, it was, no. It was James. But I got nine. Ah, very good. Yeah. I was very excited. Yeah. Oh, very good. It was a close game. Yeah. It's it's a good game, but there's a lot of a lot of moving parts to it, and yeah, you kind of want to. Well, you were told you knew that beforehand. Yes. Okay. This this is going to be most of our day just now. Okay. That's yeah. But but I, I really like it too. But, uh, nice. Yes. So you're gonna go and play some games. Yeah, managed to squeeze in a few games. Um, over the got in a game, uh, Shadows Over Camelot, which is I don't know if you've played play that. Yeah, it's happening down at the end of the oh, room yeah, the right now. Yeah, guys are playing a game. Yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, very good. It's a uh, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Arturian mythology anyway, so it's actually kind of based on that it's a cooperative game. But there's it's one of those I think it was one of the first ones that had the idea of a cooperative game, but that there was a potential that one of the players is a traitor. Mm-hmm. So you can be playing but not knowing that actually be playing against you. I think since then now there's been other games like Battlestar Galactica and things that have in Dead of Winter as well yeah Dead of Winter that have that mechanic but I think this was 
I, to my to my mind, this is the first one I brought that mechanic into. Yeah. So it was co-designed by Bruno Cathala. We like and Bruno Cathala here, and it, it's it's really good. Lovely components, really nice board, and it plays pretty sweet. And, uh, it's not not epic, you know. You can get a good game in about 90 minutes, 40 minutes. You know. I have a really important question. Yes. What is your favorite game? My favorite game is not a board game. My favorite. I'm a big RPG fan. I am a D and D role player. Fantastic. And actually, next week. You guys probably might have seen this, but next week we are actually doing a D&D live audience thing here in Sligo. We so. saw that at the culture, yeah. the culture thing. That's oh, the guys. culture folder. That's yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so fantastic. I did one like that already this year for a friend of mine up in Dublin, and he's actually here as well. And uh, it was fun. It was a bit weird at the beginning because this is, you know, D&D is usually just you and your six or seven, you know, mates sitting around yeah. a table having a crack, and suddenly there's an audience. Yeah. And they were kind of looking at you. And they're not playing, they're just going to watch you play. And it was a bit like, it took about five or ten minutes to kind of get into the whole thing. Okay. But, you know, I don't know if any guys watch Critical Role or any of those. <laughs> even even in Vancouver, they had some they had some live D&D sessions. Yeah, I think it's, like be- it's becoming more of a thing yeah. now, yeah. But I think on the ba- on the back of stuff like Critical Role and, I uh, can't remember, Acquisitions Incorporated, people are kind of realizing, hey, D&D is great to play, but you can actually watch the games too and get as, almost as much in- environment uh, or, yeah. Entertainment out of it, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, yes, yeah, so that's next week. So, we'll see how that goes. Hey, Wayne. Hopefully, it'll be alright. Thanks for chatting with us. Yeah. No problems. Thank you so much for joining no us. Thank you. Thank you for coming along. So, I think it's time for another question. I'm we ready. have Wayne I'm ready. joining I'm ready. us. Yeah, Wayne. I'm ready. Yes, guys, we're back. Recommendation. This oh my god. Question. Oh my god. All right. So, this question is from Reddit user Royal Killer 97. They say. Hey guys, I'm looking for a recommendation of a game for more than two players. Other things you should consider should be less than two and a half hours, a medium to high complexity game. Uh, They have a $60 budget. We don't know where in the world that is, but eh. the genre doesn't matter. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's competitive or cooperative. They own and like Catan, Ticket to Ride USA, Zombicide, Black Plague, Scythe, Seven Wonders, and Quartz. Uh, they're thinking about buying Terraforming Mars, Terra Mystica, Ticket to Ride Europe, or Great Western Trail. Any thoughts? Thanks. Uh, yeah. We we had a look at the list, and there's a there's a leap there. Catan, Ticket to Ride, and then it jumps up into side and all these things. I actually, from that list, I actually personally go for Terraforming Mars. Great. Why, why Terraforming Mars? Uh, I actually just think it's a really cool game, and it kind of matches a lot of your, your requirements there. But um, the individual card thing is really cool. Some of the scoring mechanisms are really nice, and I, I actually just like the, the team and stuff of it too. And visually, the board is actually quite nice. I heard some people complaining a little bit about some of the, the actual cards being a, being a little bit light stock, but uh, overall, I think it's a great game. And it's, it's kind of in that middle ground. I don't think it's that hard to learn, uh, but there is a bit of tinky, tinking in there, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. keep you on your toes. Nice. Uh, what do you think? I think, based on this sort of root-building game theme that you have going on, that you really might enjoy Yamatai, which comes to us from Bruno Cathala in Days of Wonder. There's a, an aspect of building a route that you want, but you kind of use that route in different ways, uh, depending on what other support materials you have. Um, and it's very pretty. Yeah, it's so pretty. Um, and you've got a you know unique uh, turn order determiner, and um, you can build 
build temples and your different color boats do different things. Um, so it's like fairly complex, but not too complex. Definitely will play under two and a half hours. And if you're really clever, you can get a game for $60. So that's Yamatai. One thing I love about Yamatai is the idea of you want to do something that gets you points and gets you good things. But when you do that thing, you open the board up for other people to get points and get things. So sometimes you don't want to get all the points because the next person might get more points. And oh, I love games like that. I love Five Tribes, especially for that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. But anyway, my recommendation is a little bit lighter than the other games that have been recommended. Uh, it is called Isle of Sky, which we talked about. Oh yeah, I said we were going to talk about Isle of Sky. This is the time we talk about Isle of Sky. So exciting. Uh, it's by Andreas Pelican and Alexander Feister, and it's published by Lookout Games. It is, it's kind of like Carcassonne, but way more exciting than Carcassonne, I think, anyway. Not that Carcassonne's a bad game, we still play it time to time, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's great fun. Basically how it works is you all draw three tiles and you put them down in front of you, and then behind a screen, you delete one of them, you ax one of them completely, but no one knows which ones you're axing. And the other two you're setting a price to. So you might say, I think this tile is going to be worth five money. And so you take five money from your amount of money and you put it behind that screen. Once you've set prices to all your tiles and you lift them up, then you all go around in a circle and everyone buys one tile off of someone else. What I love about this game is that because you're setting your own money to the price of something, if you set it way too high, no one buys it and you're stuck with that tile. You have to buy that tile with the money that you set aside. Also, if you spend all of your money setting a price to something, you won't be able to buy anything off of anyone else. So you have to be really clever with what you do with your tiles. And sometimes you want to set really high prices because you don't want anyone to buy them. But if you set them too high, you won't be able to buy anything else and you might be behind. The scoring mechanic is really simple. There are four tiles drawn at the start of the game and that is all that scores for the entire game. There are like 16 different ways to score things. And so the, the, the replayability is fantastic. An expansion came out for this recently, which I believe is called Journeyman, which makes the game quite a lot more complicated, which a lot of people haven't seemed to like only because they like playing Isle of Sky because they want to play a nice little quick game. But maybe if you add on the Journeyman expansion, it will become a little bit heavier and will kind of go onto the side of something that you might enjoy a little bit more. Uh, so that is Isle of Sky. You got me sold on it. On the count of say goodbye because I think we're about done here this does bring us to the end it does thanks for being so hospitable yeah your society's fantastic Wayne. thank you very much and yeah you're, you're you've collected a you collected a good group of humans and a good uh, bunch of games yeah, that yeah and not a conspiracy theorist among them <laughs> <laughs> maybe one or two but mostly they're fairly normal yeah. oh great oh. all right thank you very much guys fantastic good night everybody good night